Now, I got to tell you, some of you regulars are really throwing me. You're not sitting where you usually sit. Do you realize it's been five years since we've had Easter at this site? Five years, and God has enabled us to come back. Our God is good. Amen. Amen. I'm sure most of you do not miss bleacher seating in the high schools at all. Not one bit. Well, let's pray together. Father, it is good to be in your house today. And much more important than a full room is an empty tomb. We praise you that you are alive. God, we ask that you would meet with us in this place. Many people are playing church today across this nation, across this world. We don't want to play church. We want to meet with the living God and we want to hear from him. God, I pray that you would empower this time by your spirit and your holy word. Your word, which is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. God, I pray that you would use me. And Lord God, I ask that you would just fill me. Lord, I pray that you would grant me the ability to speak into people's lives in a way that makes sense, that is practical. That you would enable me just to put my arms around these people and just love on them for Jesus' sake. God, grant me a liberty and a freedom just to preach. Lord, use your word for your glory. Change lives for your kingdom as only you can do. We pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. What is the very first thing that comes to your mind when I mention the word Easter? Well, for some, maybe it's this guy. Now, that doesn't look like an That to me looks like an abominable snowman eating two kids. <laughs> or, or here's another picture. I mean, this poor girl, throw the basket away. I'm out of here, man. Now, when I mentioned Easter, maybe some of you thought of outlandish Easter outfits and bonnets. Here's these four women. They look like big peeps. I, I don't know. <laughs> they just do. Do you realize that there's $4 billion a year spent in America just on Easter clothing? $4 billion. That's a lot. Some of you, when you hear Easter, you think brunch and like a spread to die for. By the way, that's being prepared right now in the foyer. In, no, it's not. It's not. Some babies just think of baskets with candy and jelly beans and especially chocolate and especially chocolate bunnies. Now, I, I don't know about you, but I don't get into those cheap, hollow chocolate bunnies. I want the solid chocolate bunnies. If I'm going to rot my, rot my teeth out, I want the solid chocolate. Do you realize there are 90 million chocolate bunnies consumed every year at Easter? 90 million. And by the way, they've done some statistics on this. 76% eat the ears first. That means 24% of you eat bunny butts. That's just how, that's just how it is. Okay, okay? It kind of reminds me of that conversation. All right? Now, now some of you, when I mentioned Easter, you, you thought, right away, you thought Easter egg hunts. And there's a lot of kids. It's so cute seeing those kids scramble around. Do you realize 161 million eggs are purchased, dyed, and hid and consumed? That's a lot of egg salad, okay? I'm just telling you right now. Some people, believe it or not, actually think when they hear the word Easter of church. 
They think of church. 60% of Americans attend church at Easter. That's up from the typical 38% who regularly attend church. Most attend, though, out of just obligation, out of tradition. Barna Research Group reports that only 42% of the people polled when they, when they asked about Easter mentioned the resurrection. So most people don't even think about the resurrection. And yet that's what this day is all about. And this morning we're going to travel back to the very first Easter morning. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28 is where we're going to be. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, a lot of the verses will be on the screen. Or if you don't have a Bible, just creep out the person next to you. Kind of, you know, look over on their shoulder. No problem. We'll, we'll share scripture. Jesus, the sinless Son of God, has been crucified. He has faced the most cruel, painful death ever known to man, tortured, nailed to a cross in front of mocking and cheering crowds. With his final breath, he cries out, Tetelestai! And commends his spirit into the hands of the Father. Tetelestai means it is finished. The Lamb of God has been slain. The sins of the world are atoned for. Your every sin and my every sin was laid upon the sinless Savior when he died on the cross. He died for you and he died for me. His bloodied and battered body was removed, wrapped and laid in a cold, dark tomb and it was sealed. That was Friday. But Sunday's coming. One day passes, two days pass, day three alive arrives, and it's Sunday morning at the tomb. We pick up the story in Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow, and the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know who that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here, for he has risen just as he said. Come see the place where he was lying. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him. Behold, I have told you. They left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report to to his disciples. Behold, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and take word to my brethren to leave for Galilee, and there they will see me. Easter is a time of many things. Easter is also a time of devotion in spite of confusion. If there's anything these ladies teach us, they teach us about their devotion and they challenge us to examine our own devotion. And what does devotion really look like to Jesus Christ? Well, true devotion, we see, comes as soon as possible. They act quickly. It was after the Sabbath. That meant as soon as Jewish law permitted them to travel and serve, they did it. And they came at first light. As soon as daylight permitted them, they were there at the grave. As a matter of fact, it was still dark when they started their journey. John chapter 20 verse 1 tells us that it was still dark. They come as soon as possible. True devotion comes alone. There's no disciples with them. It's just the ladies. 
A couple other women we know of were there too, Joanna and Salome. Matthew's focus, though, was on the Marys, specifically Mary Magdalene, whose life was radically transformed. We learn a little bit about her in Luke chapter 8, verse 2. Some women who had been healed of evil spirits and sicknesses, Mary, who was called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. I want you to understand something. No matter what your demons may be, no matter what your addictions may be, the Lord can set you free. He can transform your life if you let him. No matter the shame and the guilt of your past and the, and the skeletons in your closet that you hope no one finds out about, God already knows, and he can set you free. No life is beyond his transforming power including yours and including mine. So no matter what shackles of this world hold you tight, he can loose you. He has the key. He is the key. We see this life radically transformed, and we see her love lavishly shown. We read about this in Luke seven thirty-eight as she's standing behind him at his feet, and she's weeping and began to wet his feet with her tears and wipe them with her hair and kiss his feet and anoint them with perfume because radical transformation brings grateful appreciation. And she wasn't about to forget all that Jesus did for her, and so she comes to the tomb that day with incredible devotion. She comes with another Mary. Mary is all we know. She's the mother of James and Joseph. Great dedication, following Jesus as a part of her family. And these ladies come alone. There's no men. The disciples, where are they? They fled. They're scared to death. They're, they're hiding behind locked doors. They're nervously peering through windows. They lack every bit of devotion that the women have. True devotion comes soon and comes alone and it comes with great courage. Think about these ladies. There's no men to protect them. It's dark. It's a graveyard. And there's Roman soldiers stationed there who are not sympathetic to the Savior or his followers. True devotion comes in faith. They come to look at the grave, more specifically to prepare the body of the Lord, Mark 16, 1 tells us. But the tomb is sealed, and they know they cannot open it, but they come hoping, believing someone will open that tomb so they can care for the dead body of their Lord. True devotion. True devotion also comes very heavy-hearted. They come to look at a grave. You know what it's like to visit a grave, to lay a wreath at the grave, to lay flowers at a grave, to cry tears at a grave. They come with heavy hearts. This is the Lord and he's dead. This is the one they had put all their hopes in. This is the one that they had dedicated their lives to follow and he's dead. Nothing makes sense. All their hopes and dreams are dashed. They're filled with overwhelming confusion and, and, and sorrow and they just don't get it. And yet, they still love him though they've lost him. And yet, they still serve him, though nothing makes sense. And they teach us such an important lesson as they are at the garden tomb. You don't give up on God just because God, just because you don't understand God. You don't give up on God just because you don't understand God. And some of you are there today. 
You, you feel like giving up on God because you don't understand why God allowed this to happen and why is that going on with your finances? Why is that happening with your kids or your marriage? Or why is your health deteriorating? God, it just doesn't make sense and you just want to walk away from God. And these ladies teach us, even when God doesn't make sense, you keep following him. Even when God doesn't make sense, you keep serving him. It's called faith. When your world is turned upside down, follow him. When you don't understand the whys, why God, why God, serve him anyway. When life seems so unfair and cruel, trust him anyway. You don't let discouragement destroy your devotion. That's what these ladies teach us Easter morning. Devotion in spite of confusion. Easter is also a time of angelic appearance and incredible power. Verse 2. Behold, a severe earthquake occurred, and an angel of the Lord descends from heaven and rolls away the stone and sits on it. The power of the earth shaking, it's sudden and it's severe, and it's scary is what it is. More than likely, at least 7.0 in the Richter scale, when chimneys and monuments fall and buildings are moved and foundations, buildings fall off their foundations. And by the way, within three days, there are two earthquakes. The first one, was at the moment of Jesus' death, recorded in Matthew 27. The veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and rocks were split. The second one occurs here at Jesus' resurrection. As one commentator put it, it's as if the ground quaked with pain when he died, but shook with pleasure when he rose. We have the presence of this angelic being descending from heaven with rapid descent. Ezekiel 1.14 tells us that these living beings run to and fro like bolts of lightning. Usain Bolt has nothing on these bolts. Just letting you know. And we learn that Easter has a lot more to do with angels than eggs. And Easter has a lot more to do with earthquakes than eggs. He rolls away the stone and literally just seemingly scoffing disregard for governor's imperial seal on that tomb and disdain for the religious leader's command not to touch it. And neither Rome nor religion can stop God and his will. Ever. Ever. A different breed of beings is what we have here. An empty tomb with a stone that big. Most of them were a foot thick, eight feet in diameter, carved in the rock, the channel they would be placed in, weighing upwards of two to four tons of weight. That's the approximate weight of three of these pianos, if not more. 800 pounds in, in one piano. Stack them on top of each other. Some of you would struggle to budget unless you were an angel or a pastor, <laughs> which are the same. <laughs> no, not quite. The stone is rolled away not to let Jesus out. He's already gone. He's already risen. The stone is rolled away to let the ladies see in, to build their faith and to reassure them. And then this angel just sits on the rock, preening his wings, waiting, whatever, for the ladies to show up because he has an illustration to show them and he has a message to give them. And so he waits. Verse 3, they're dressed to kill. At least the guards think so. Appearance like lightning, clothing as white as snow. Not only do they move like lightning, they look like lightning, radiating in brilliance, glowing like snow. We haven't seen snow in a while. Maybe we should pray for snow. (laughs) Maybe not. You know what it's like? It snows through the night, and then the sun comes up, and it just glistens. That's the picture you have here. 
Easter is a time of devotion in spite of confusion, angelic appearance and power. Easter is a time of profound fear and terror. Look at verse 4 and 5. The guards shook for fear of him and become like dead men. And the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. And so the guards are scared to death. And lightning is scary. Especially angelic lightning. Especially when it strikes close to you. I was on a missions trip a few years ago with a group of people in Germany. I remember they were sitting in the van and I happened to be behind the van and I like to play practical jokes once in a while and Lois Strong was right next to the window in the van and so I came up behind the van and I went, boom, right on that window. Lightning struck for that woman, let me tell you. And if, and if looks could kill, I would not be preaching today, just to, just to let you know. Well, this is a winged wonder in all his brilliance, instantly appearing, moving a rock, opening a tomb like it is nothing. And the word for shook for the guards is the same root word for the word earthquake. So God is saying the guards were having their personal little earthquakes is what was going on. They were literally shaking. And then they become paralyzed and traumatized like dead men. They freeze. And these are Roman soldiers. These are men trained for war. These are the bravest of the brave. These are Roman marines, if you will. And they are shaking. And then as if dead. They're not the only ones full of fear. The angel has to tell the women not to be afraid. And I want you to understand something about these women. They are ripe with fear. And so would you be and so would I be. They fear the Roman guards who just recently tortured and crucified the Lord and you are followers of the Lord. They fear the religious authorities who just condemned Jesus and you are a follower of Jesus. They fear severe earthquakes. There's been two in the last three days. They fear this angelic being just showing up, dazzling in brilliance, fluently speaking your language. It's safe to say, I'd be on edge too. And so would you. The angel, though, speaks peace and calm into their lives in verse 5. Do not be afraid. It's interesting, he doesn't tell the guards not to fear. He wants them good and afraid. He tells the followers of the Lord, do not fear. Let the world live in fear, child of God not you. Let this world and the people of this world live scared, not you. You have a risen Savior. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. He is coming back again and will rule and reign forever and ever. Let the world be afraid of everything and anything, not you as a child of the living God. The angel then declares their intentions. He knows why they're there. Easter is a time of devotion in spite of confusion and angelic appearance and power and profound fear and terror. And Easter is a time of resurrection, life, and renewed hope. Look at verse 6. The words of the angel, he is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come see the place where he was lying. He is alive. The tomb is empty. The body is gone. He breathes again. He lives again. He walks again. He is the resurrected Savior. And when Christ rose, all our hopes rose with him. You need to understand the importance of the resurrection. Without the resurrection, you have nothing. And we're wasting our time being in church today. If Jesus is not alive, we're a bunch of fools. Because there's nothing to this, friends. 
Because he lives, we are told we will live. John eleven twenty five. 25, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he what? Even if he dies. John 14, because I live, you will also. You will live also. 1 Corinthians 15, 20, but now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. For since by a man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. We live because he lives. By the way, we are forgiven because he lives. 1 Corinthians 15, 17. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. It's worthless. By the way, you're still in your sins. The sacrifice of Christ on the cross, if he is not alive, was not a worthy sacrifice. That means before a holy God, you will face judgment because your sins were never forgiven. In other words, you need to understand that Jesus dying on the cross was payment for sin. The resurrection was receipt handed from the Father saying, payment accepted. The resurrection is payment accepted. And if Jesus was not raised, there was no payment accepted. That's how important the resurrection is to our faith. The the resurrection assures heaven. John 14, two through three, in my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go and prepare a place for you. If he wasn't raised, he's not preparing a place for you, just to let you know. If I go and prepare a place for you, I'm coming again. He's not coming again if he wasn't raised. To receive you to myself, that where I am there, you may be also. Friends, I want you to understand, if there is no resurrection, there is no heaven. And your loved ones who died in Christ never went to heaven. Because there is no heaven. Because he lives, I want you to understand also, judgment is certain. John 5, 22, for not even the Father judges anyone, but he has given all judgment to the Son. You either know Jesus as your Savior or you know Jesus as your judge. It's one or the other. And I want to encourage you to place your faith in Jesus because he will judge all the wicked dead of this world. He is returning as the judge. Just as he said, Matthew 6, 21, he'd be killed and raised up on the third day. Just as he said, Matthew 17, 23, they'll kill him, be raised up on the third day. Just as he said, Matthew 20, 19, on the third day, he'll be raised up. Just as he said, Matthew 26, 32, after I've been raised, I'll go before you to Galilee. Just as he said, so he has done. And then he says, look for yourselves, examine the evidence, verse 6. Inspect it, come on in, look around, check it out, ladies. And it's as if the angel says to us too, look for yourselves. Examine the evidence. Do the homework. Study the facts. God is never afraid of the evidence. It only authenticates his claims every single time. You who are guests today were given a gift, a booklet, evidence for the resurrection. We don't want to hide the resurrection. Go over it with a fine-tooth comb and believe on the Lord Jesus as we have. In that book, there are seven objections by skeptics, the top objections, and they are refuted and answered very clearly. Easter is a time of resurrection life and renewed hope. Easter is also a time of get up and go and speak up and tell. Look at verse 7 and 8. Go quickly, tell his disciples, he's risen from the dead. Behold, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you'll see him. Behold, I've told you. They left the tomb quickly with fear, great joy, ran to report it to his disciples. Well, well, how do I tell? Quickly. 
You don't waste time with the greatest news of all time. People need good news. Again, the death, of the death on the cross was payment for sin. The resurrection from the tomb is receipt from the Father. Who do you tell? I want you to notice who they go to first. The believers. They're still in hiding. They're cowering in fear. If anyone needs good news, it's the disciples. You know what Jesus could have done? He could have said, you know, it's only been three days. Let's make them sweat it out for another week. They abandoned me. They promised that they'd be with me. They, they denied me. He could have, but the grace of God and the mercy of God wouldn't do that. Tell them. Tell my downtrodden believers to pick up their chin, to brighten their eyes. You have no reason to be down in this world. Your sins have been forgiven. Your Savior is alive. There's no reason to be discouraged, child of God. You have a God who is alive and a God who loves you. Believe on him. There's no need to believe God is dead. God's not dead. By the way, it's not the movie just saying that. That's a good movie, by the way. Go see it. But God is not dead. What else do you tell him? You're going to see him soon. I'm going back to Galilee. Made a reservation for the 12, the 11 disciples and himself. He's going to regather them and regroup them and commission them. And someday too, you are going to see him. Read this verse with me. 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, now we are children of God. And it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him. You will see him just as he is. Revelation 1-7, read it with me. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him. Take off with the message. They leave quickly, verse 8. They, they go with fear, and they go with joy. Great fear, but tempered with joy. And, and they run. They ran to report it. And once again, we see running is biblical. It's right there in the text. And they make a beeline for the disciples with the sweet nectar of the resurrection to be shared back at the hive to let these guys know he's alive. And no one is going to stop these ladies. No one except one person, the Lord Jesus. Look at verse 9. Easter is a time of heartfelt personal worship. Behold, Jesus met them and greeted them and they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Don't miss this. Easter is a time to get caught up in the praise of your God. Easter is a time to worship your risen Savior. Don't let eggs and bunnies and dresses and brunches keep you from the beauty of crucified love and resurrected life. Don't allow this world to distract you from worshiping the risen King. Jesus meets them, and, and the women, I mean, can you imagine? They just witnessed his crucifixion three days earlier, and they looked at his dead body hanging on that cross, and now he stands before them talking to them, and he greets them, and the word conveys friendliness and warmth like a hello, good morning. But why them? Why did he see the ladies first? Why didn't he peer to those, those Jewish leaders that day and say, I'm back! Oh, I'd have been tempted to do that. How about you? Why didn't he appear to those disciples and say, I told you so? He could have. He appears to these sweet women at the tomb. 
I think he's teaching a lesson. Dedication and devotion is richly rewarded by the Savior. Dedication and devotion is richly rewarded by the Savior. They were the last to leave Calvary, Golgotha. They were the first to go to the tomb. Dedicated and devoted people, don't miss this, see things others will miss. Dedicated and devoted people will experience things others will be left out of. Be dedicated and be devoted. Don't miss the blessings that God has for you. They also teach us, by the way, to get up early on a Sunday morning. It's always worth it. Instantaneous response, look what they do. They come up, they take hold of his feet, and they just worship him. It's the only proper response to the resurrected, glorified King of Kings is to hold on to him and worship him. Philippians teaches us that God highly exalted him and at the name of Jesus, every knee is gonna bow and every tongue confess. In heaven, we see the elders there, 24 of them falling down before him who sits on the throne, worshiping him who lives forever and ever. I wanna encourage you today to get alone with your God. I wanna encourage you, so to speak, to take hold of his feet to get on your knees somewhere in your house, go on a walk, get on your knees and worship your living Savior. There's so many things to take our attention. Get on your knees before your God today and worship him. Easter is a time of heartfelt personal worship. In verse 10, Easter is a time of listening to your Lord. Listen to him. That's your Easter gift back to him. Jesus said to him, do not be afraid. Go and take word to my brethren to leave for Galilee and there they will see me. And the first thing he tells them is do not be afraid. There is no reason to live in fear, child of God. You have a savior who loves you and lives for you. Fear no one. Matthew 28, not 10, 28. Don't fear those who can kill the body but are unable to kill the soul. Rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Some of you need to start fearing, but fearing God. For you who are already believers, do not live in fear. Don't fear anyone in this world and don't fear anything in this world. 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of timidity or fear, but of power and love and discipline. Those are from God. Now look what he says. Verse 10, go take word to my brethren and leave for Galilee. Do you know what he's saying? There is a time to worship me, but there's a time to serve me. There is a time to worship me, ladies, and you've done that. But there's also a time to serve me. In other words, you can only hold on to the feet of Jesus so long. Some of you are all about worship. That's all you want to do is worship, worship, worship. And God is saying, when are you going to start serving me? All you care about is worship and songs. I don't like that song. And what about those instruments? I don't like that. And all you care about is worship. God is saying, would you let go of my feet? Enough already. Now it's time to get busy for me. Now use your hands and serve me. Now use your feet and go for me. Now open your mouth and speak for me. Worship him, but you better make sure you serve him. Because Easter is also about service. As a matter of fact, you're not really celebrating Easter until you're serving the Savior. You have worshiped him, now get busy and start serving him. And for some of you, it's been a long time since you've started serving the Lord. And God is saying it starts today. 
starts serving me. He calls them brethren. Take word to my brethren to leave for Galilee. First time ever used of of any of the followers. Brethren. He could have used a lot of things to talk about the disciples. Choice words, as a matter of fact. Cowardly deserters. Take word to them. Fearful failures. Take words to them. He calls them brethren. I want you to understand the grace of God and the forgiveness of God and the mercy of God and the love of God. I want you to understand the resurrection brings restoration. That's part of the Easter story. The resurrection brings restoration. They have failed him. They have deserted him. They have sinned against him. And God says, I want to restore you. Some of you here today have failed him. You have deserted God. You have denied God. You have sinned against God this past week. And only you and him know about those sins. And you know what God says? The resurrection is about restoration. Let me restore you again. Let me forgive you. Walk with me again. I love you. I forgive you. For some of you, that's the Easter message this morning. God wants to restore that relationship with you. He says, I want you to have a fresh start. I want you to have a new beginning. And that's what he's offering to the disciples, and that's what he's offering to you and me. And he tells the ladies to tell him, tell them to leave for Galilee. Why Galilee? It's a place of comfort and security and safety. It's familiar territory. It's where they first heard the gospel and where they first saw God work in their lives and began serving the Lord. And again, it's a place for a fresh start. And that's what the Lord wants to give you. And he says, there they will see me. You will one day see the Lord. You will see the resurrected Savior. Easter is a time of, say them with me, devotion in spite of confusion, angelic appearance and incredible power, profound fear and terror, resurrection life and renewed hope. Get up and go and speak up and tell. Heartfelt personal worship and listening to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your words to us this morning. We thank you, Lord God, for your love and mercy and grace through the death of the Savior and the resurrection of the Savior. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I want to encourage you right now just to worship your God. Thank him for his mercy. Thank him for his love. Thank him for restoration. Talk to the Lord right now about your life of commitment for him. Devotion to him. Serving him. Not living in fear anymore. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. You may be here today and you fear death because you do not have a personal relationship with Christ. And you may say, Scott, that's me. I I am a sinner and I desperately need God in my life. I I don't want to play games with church and I don't want to play pretend with religion. What do I do? 
with your head bowed and your eyes closed, I would just ask you to call out to God in faith right now to place your trust in him for forgiveness. You can use words like these, Lord Jesus, I desperately need you in my life. Please forgive me of all my sin. Please save me from all my sin. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for rising again. I place my faith in you to save me. I can't save myself. Save me and forgive me, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've called out to the Lord this morning, we would love to just rejoice in that decision for the Lord with you. And in your bulletin, if everyone would just take your bulletin and open it up right now, there's a little card in there. And if you made a decision for the Lord of any kind, you can mark that on.